Good morning. While we're waiting for people to finish gathering, we'll begin. The peace of Christ be with you. Some announcements. Um, <clears throat> it's been a very exciting and busy week. Um, well, maybe they're all that way, but this week we uh, cleaned, moved into um, the, the house that we worked on, and I was supposed to give you a microphone. Okay. These, these pictures that you're seeing are how the house ended up. It's just, and there's the, that's only part of the team, and we just want to thank everybody because this, this blank slate that needed a good scrubbing turned into a home. And um, the children's rooms, you look in there and you think, oh, it just was such a wonderful thing. The uh, UM, no, United Women of Faith, UWF, which is the previously known as United Methodist Women, um, had a great rummage sale, made $2,500, which was a big deal. And I, and I haven't paid yet, so there'll be more. Um, <clears throat> the uh, fundraiser that has been being put together, if you're a part of our online community, we have been supporting a young woman. How old is Abby? Eight? She's eight, um, and she has a very aggressive form of cancer. And so there's a fundraiser next weekend. Seventh. Seventh, and um, Jennifer, Pastor Jennifer has tickets. So if anybody would like to buy them, even if you can't go, just for the heck of it, buy a ticket. You don't need to put something else on your calendar. Oh, wait, how much are they? $25. So um, that's... That and last but definitely not least is our ministry fair. If you came in through um, by the, the fellowship hall, you saw that we still have the, the flags, the, the, the streamers up from Easter and from um, just a week of celebration. They're still up and there are so many things out there to celebrate different kinds of ministries and snacks. So if you didn't have breakfast at the end of the service, go directly there. Um, and anything else that anyone can think about, think of? Well, then it's great to be with you and let the praise begin. Good morning, everybody, and good morning to everyone online. Uh, I was looking at a couple of sites on the internet, um, looking up the song Be Not Afraid, and I found in multiple locations, people indicate that be not, or do not fear, or some version of that, shows up 365 times in the Bible. And I thought, well, that's kind of convenient, but with God, all things are possible. So maybe it is an assurance every day of the year to not be afraid. But the versions of Be Not Afraid are all over and well over 300 times and indicated most often that that is 
the most often quoted command in some form. So we're going to start our morning with be not afraid and move right into one thing remains. I'm going to invite you to stand.
Whether you're worshiping us here in person or online, we're so happy that you're here with us. At some point, we can't contain ourselves. The us that God has created us to be. Coming out as a people and as a church from what we've known into a new identity is filled with anxiety, unknowing, but hope. The caterpillar's instincts about cocooning, entering, the nurturing dark of gestation is paralleled with the scripture reading that we're going to hear today of Mary's pregnancy, the dark of the tomb, and our own willingness for transformation. All along the way, 
we hear this repeated, do not be afraid. Please stand and join me in the call to worship. Oh, sorry, you can sit. <laughs> Welcome to State of Worship. Come and rejoice, for God's light is coming to us. Open your hearts and spirits and receive the blessings that come from God. While we were singing, I had the opportunity to just kind of look back at all of you gathered here for worship, and I wish that I could look at all the people that are watching online. And I am just reminded of what a gift you are. You. You are an offering to God in this congregation and in this life that we share. You are a gift. And part of how I give, whether it's my money or the communion bread or a variety of things, is because I just feel so grateful for you, for this space, for this life that God has given us. So may we enter into this time of offering just remembering how blessed we are. Our special offering, should you wish to participate, is a United Methodist offering on Native American uh, ministries. And you can see that up here that, that it supports vital ministries and churches in Native American communities. Um, and a lot of Native American communities are uh, quite impoverished. And so our um, giving to this fund doesn't necessarily affect the poverty, but it helps there to be a pastor and a church to support that community. So we welcome your hearts, your gifts, and your very presence. We're going to share a new song with you this morning called Evidence by Josh Baldwin that we'll be singing together later in May. But certainly, if you know it, the words will be on the wall. Sing with us this morning as well. All throughout my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring Fulfilled 
God, we come to you from all the places and spaces, offering, giving, holding, praying, even grieving together. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a time when we welcome people's prayer needs, prayer requests, and uh, I do want to lift up Pastor Scott, who's under the weather this weekend, um, and those in our commu wider community who are um, dealing with illnesses, with COVID, with a variety of things. Um, what? joys or concerns might you have to share? Yes. Melissa says their parents are opening up their campsite and I've seen signs of people opening cottages. Um, some in Canada, which means that they're newly available after a long desert kind of experience. Any other Joys or concerns? Yes, Becky? Absolutely wonderful women of faith. United, yes, United Women of Faith. One person's trash is another person's treasure. Anything else this morning? Let us be in prayer. Oh God, sometimes life is messy. Oh, maybe all the time it's messy. It's just not always messy in a bad way. You have birthed us into this world you have inspired us with your breath of life and your Holy Spirit. You have guided us, and we pray that you will continue to guide us even when your Holy Spirit whispers around the edges and we don't even know until later. There are those that need to be held. There are those who need comfort in grief. There are those who are facing tests and surgery and treatment who need our special attention. 
there are those who silently carry wounds, pasts, decisions to make, joys to share, and yet not quite ready. In this season of Easter tide, we come hoping and praying for a spirit of resurrection. And Lord, give us what we need. Give us inspiration, give us health, give us wholeness, and Lord, most of all, give us hope and strength and courage to serve and love and be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share in the newsletter, in the May newsletter, if you haven't gotten yours, I encourage you to pick them up. If nothing else, you can, or open them in your email and you can see a picture of my um, nearly dead geranium that I thought was going to brighten up the front of my house. It got snowed on. The reason I want to share this is because it says, I wonder if we might pray when we feel like my geranium, pray it. When we feel like we're facing great decisions or obstacles, pray it. When life is good and we are hopeful, pray it. When we want to know that God is present, pray it. And here are the words. Form me, hold me, open me, unfold me, unfurl me, untether me, uncurl me, uncrease me, unwrap me. Today's scripture is from Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. 
His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, we heard from Pastor Scott about going from the caterpillar into a cocoon and how it's all gooey. But a lot of us like to stay in that cocoon. The first thing I do when I get home from work is put on my pajamas, and when it's chilly, I wrap myself in a blanket. And that's my favorite place to stay. It's so easy to continue to do what we've always been doing, to follow that path of least resistance. We, had a, we have a hard time with change, whether it's in our personal lives or our churches or our communities. Change is hard. It's hard to adapt. And it's even harder to see what, maybe be, what might be on the other side. We're so afraid of the unknown. So as Nancy said, one of the most common phrases in all of Scripture is, do not be afraid. We have this call to trust in God and not to fear. But it's so difficult to control that fear once it grabs a hold of us. And I know that most of you have experienced that at least once in your life. When you have that true terror and it's, you feel it in your soul, and your heart beats fast, and you are truly terrified. Our fight-or-flight reflexes kick in, and we're in a dark space, just like the cocoon. And we have to wait for those reflexes to start to clear, to think clearly enough. When my oldest, my son Thomas, was younger, he was involved in a summer theater program. And they asked us to allow them to walk um, in the Canal Fest Parade. And Thomas was maybe seven or eight. Um, and we said, okay. They said, no parents are allowed. So we signed him out to the adult that was there. We watched him walk in the parade, and we took pictures. And the parade was over, and we waited. And a couple of the kids came back, and we waited and Thomas wasn't there. And that was about 4 o'clock. Um, at 6.30, the police officers came to me and said, we need a picture of him. We have to issue an Amber Alert. And I was pretty calm up until that point um, when I felt the true terror that my child was missing. Thomas was left 
They, they put him on a bus and, and dropped him off on a street corner. He had no idea where he was, um, but Thomas sat there. And at 11.30 at night, he was finally found. So I know the terror that comes from losing a child. So let's take a look at our scripture reading today. And imagine that you're that young teenage girl. And according to the Jewish tradition, Mary was probably between 12 and 13 when she was engaged to Joseph. She was probably living in his house. She was being trained in his likes and dislikes by her mother-in-law. And their marriage was about to happen in about a year. And she's just going about her life when the angel Gabriel comes to her and he says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Hmm. You have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And every time I hear this scripture, this is the age that both of my girls are. And I try to think how Maddie and Eva would react. And I was like, one of them would be like, wait, I need to Snapchat this. Hold on a minute. Can you repeat that? I need to send it to my friends. The other one would be like, no, we're just not talking about this. Just go away. So imagine the terror that Mary felt. You're just going along, and she hears this. Not only is she going to have a child, but her child is the Son of God. And as parents and as a mother, you give birth to your child, and you try to do what's best when you raise them. And you're okay when you start out in the hospital because you have lots of support. But that first day that you're home and that child cries for 12 hours straight and you don't know what to do, that terror and that fear creep in, you constantly have doubts. Am I doing the right thing? Are they involved in too many things? Are they involved in too few things? When do I allow them to have social media? When do I allow them to get a phone? The list goes on and on. But we trust that God will guide us. And Mary, this young teenager, was asked to trust in God more than any other person. When Gabriel appeared to her, one of the first things he said was, Do not fear. She is going to become the mother of God's child. But God would see her through it all. There's a reason for her to fear. She had the great burden to be the mother of the king of kings, to be the mother of the son of God. And that's a really heavy burden for any human being to bear. Do not fear. So as parents, we have that fear when it comes to our children. And I've told you the story about Thomas. So think of Mary's fear when Jesus is about 12 years old and they went up to the festival. And it says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. 
So Thomas, my child, was only missing for a few hours. Mary lost the Son of God for three days. Can you imagine her terror? (laughs) The readings show us that we have to entrust all things to God, including our children, our spouses, our parents, our friends, and our very lives. In the end, we all belong to God, not us. For parents, one of the hardest lessons that we learn is to relinquish our grip on our children and give them fully to God, trusting that he's going to care for them and lead them to become to the people that he is calling them to be. And yes, that relinquishment comes with suffering, but we know that if we trust in God, that he will give us the strength to overcome any fear that may arise within us. So although we don't carry the burden of being the mother of the child of God, we have so many other burdens that are placed upon us in this life. We deal with illness, joblessness, loneliness, abuse, poverty, violence, the death of loved ones, the responsibility of raising our children, or just the everyday struggles of life. There are times when what's asked of us begins to feel too heavy and fear takes over. And it's in those moments that we need to come out of our cocoon and ask God for his help and his guidance. Do not fear. I am always with you. We can fall, but in the end, we fall into the hands of God. He is there regardless of what arises in our lives. God is always with us. He guides us. He constantly leads us out of our cocoon into the bright sunlight to become like the butterfly. In our moments of sickness, he's connected to us through the passion and the death that Jesus endured on the cross for our sake. No matter what changes or sufferings occur, we can rest that God will never stir us, steer us in the wrong direction. When we're in our cocoon and we think about everything that's safe and easy, it's, we stay there because we know the outcome and risks are scary. But you can never understand who you truly are, who God calls you to be if you stay in that cocoon. We often learn the most about ourselves when we walk openly into challenges and we learn how to overcome them. When we take risks, we learn so much more about ourselves. We discover what truly gives us joy and we begin to see the part of ourselves deep inside, our true selves, the one that God has destined us to be. Because when you connect with your true self, you open those doors to change, to progress, to love and understanding that can't be found when you're wrapped in that cocoon. Take that road less traveled. You see and experience things that you never would have if you stayed with what was comfortable in your life. Science has confirmed that once you know the best way of doing something, it gets into repetition mode, 
and your brain learning centers essentially shut down and you need the knowledge and you need to experience new things to grow and to grow in your relationship with God. And having that increased relationship with God allows you to do things in your life that you never dreamed possible. One of my biggest fears is standing in front of a group of people. And God has granted me that. He's allowed me to be able to stand in front of people and share things with you. Life is so much more fulfilling when you're constantly learning, growing, and connecting with each other. You create those relationships. But when you stay in your cocoon, all of that becomes lost. God tells us, do not fear. Why does he say that so often? Because there's so much that we're afraid of. But the Bible gives us example after example of example of people who have overcome their fears in order to be faithful to God and live out their true selves. So my favorite story is with Peter. And he's the most famous disciple and one of Jesus' closest confidants. And I absolutely love Peter because he's a living demonstration of how hard it is to live as a person of faith. Throughout the Gospels, Peter has moments of fantastic, incredible faith, followed by a few verses of some of the most boneheading-headed moves in all of Scripture. So I figure if Peter followed Jesus for three years and still couldn't get it right and wasn't perfect, that there is hope for every single one of us. So Peter's story, the disciples are out in the middle of Galilee and it's watch of the night and they're rowing and they're bailing and it's been long. And Jesus comes to them walking on the water and he says to them, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter, in one of the greatest demonstrations of faith, asks to come to Jesus on the water. He wanted to be with his Savior. So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk towards Jesus. So Peter's a normal, flawed human being like you and me. He's not Harry Houdini. He's not David Blaine. He has no special powers of levitation or buoyance. And yet he stepped out of the boat in the middle of a nasty storm and starts walking on the water towards Jesus. And he looks down at the churning waves, and he feels the wind blowing, and he starts to sink. And he cries out to Jesus for help. So Jesus reaches down and pulls Peter up, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And the Bible translation of the message actually says Jesus' words as, Faint heart, what got into you? What got into him? Was it the realization that he was risking his life by stepping out of the boat? Was it his sudden awareness of the severity of that horrible storm? Was he awakened to the fact that he was doing something 
that's impossible that he thought he'd never be able to do. What got into him? I bet it was the same thing that gets into us when we step out of our boat or out of our cocoon and realize that we are vulnerable to the risks and the dangers around us. Why did we leave the security of our cocoon? Why did we step out of that boat? What if we don't have what it takes? What if that wind is against us? What gets into us? The fear of failing. In America today, failure and fear is considered an unpardonable sin. No one likes to be thought of a failure because of the stigma that goes along with it. Whether it's missing the game-winning shot, losing a big case, dropping out of college, or not having that perfect spouse and 2.5 kids. Those are all examples of failure in our culture. Somehow, the failure becomes a comment on our character, who we are, our competence, our value as a human being. Nobody likes to be thought of as a failure. But newsflash, we're all failures, every single one of us. There isn't a person here who hasn't tried something and failed. And there's absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with that. So right now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a failure with a big smile on your face. <laughs> and they could respond, I'm a failure too. <laughs> so doesn't that feel better? Doesn't it feel better to name our failability, to admit that we're human? It's okay to have fears and fail at things. What we have to remember is that failure is not an event, but it's a judgment on an event that happened. Something is only a failure if we label it as that. So you probably know Edison's quote about his attempts to invent the light bulb. I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that it didn't work. So rather than being a negative, I believe that failure is a positive because it helps us know what to do differently the next time. Failure is part of our creative process. So failure is not a bad thing. But fear of failure is paralyzing. It's a force that can keep us from being the people that God has called us to be. What if I start reading the Bible and I don't understand it? What if I try to pray every day, but I can't keep up the routine? What if they ask me to serve at church and I can't do it well? What if I join the choir and I miss a few notes. Sometimes it's easier to stay in our cocoon, isn't it? Would have been easier for Peter. It would have been easier for Mary. But where would we have gone if she had said no? Where would we be? So where do we find the courage to overcome that fear that we have of failing? We have to find it somewhere because our only other option is quitting. And let's be honest here. It's 
always easier to quit. Quitting's always the easier op- option. And the greatest temptation that we face when our plans fail is to surrender, to give up hope. But if we do that, we may just miss the call that Jesus is extending to us to join him. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage assumes that fear is present, but that it's not in control. Courage means keeping our eyes on Jesus in the presence of that failure. It means taking the risk to leave the comfort and the security of our cocoons and walk towards Jesus in our lives. And guess what? We'll still fail. We're not going to succeed at everything. And when we do fail, we'll try again. Failure is not the end of the world. You won't die from it. Instead of letting it define you, you redefine it. The story goes that after an unsuccessful attempt to climb Mount Everest, Sir Edmund Hillary stood at the base, shook his fist, and said, I'll defeat you. You're as big as you're going to get, but I'm still growing. And every time he tried to climb it, he failed. And every time he failed, he learned and he grew and he tried again until one day he didn't fail. I know our Mount Everest are pretty tall and our cocoons are so warm and comfortable and familiar. But you can't walk on water if you never get out of the boat. Failure is not failing to reach your dreams. It's not having that dream, not following that call. It's not having a goal. If at first you don't succeed, big deal. It's usually the second, third, or maybe the fourth time that you'll actually get it right. In my case, I'm still trying to get it right. Remember, Everybody fails, but everybody can grow as well. So I believe that God is calling each of us to get out of our cocoons and step out of our boats and walk towards Jesus. And believe me, I well know that that call is one of the scariest things that you will ever answer. You might fail. But if you're being called to do something that you think you can't do and doing it would make someone else's life better or help strengthen your faith, there is more than a better chance that call is coming from God. There's the boat. There's Jesus. So what are you going to do? Are you going to let your fear of failing keep you from stepping out? from coming out of that cocoon, from saying yes. When you face a challenge, are you going to lean into it? Are you going to run away from it? This is your life, the life that you live. You can't step out of it. You can only live it or not live it. So make that difficult call. Start something new. Take a class. Try a new hobby. 
Say yes to what God is calling you to do. What's the worst that can happen? You might fail, but you might not. What is it that you're afraid of? Jesus, the Son of God, sat at the table with his disciples, human beings, ordinary, everyday human beings facing a future without him. And he knew that they would be afraid, and he knew that they would fall and make mistakes. He knew that we would all make mistakes, get distracted, not remember where it was that God called us to be and the places God called us to go. And so, he brought this gift of communion, the gift of communion that says, come, you who feel guilty, come, you who (laughs) fell on your face, come, you who needs to be reminded of the love of God, come, you who needs a dose of joy, and embrace for the day. Come, you who feel like you don't belong. Come, you who are just wondering. Come. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of all there is, heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey and set before us this way of life. And so it is with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from our own slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead, and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and will never disappear. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always, 
in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks to God who had given all that it took to make this bread. And he said, take and eat this. My body was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to God for it, and told his disciples, take this, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day that you, O God, raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit, God, on all of us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. May they be for us, the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Church, the Holy Spirit in your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Hear us now as we offer you the prayer that Jesus taught us, O God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. are serving and the musicians to come and receive communion at this time.
has prepared. Please come as you feel led.
It would seem to suggest if God thought he had to <laughs> tell us that many times, be not afraid, that he knew in this human life and in this fallen world there would be things that would make us afraid. But his overwhelming point is what he says after each of those things, do not worry, be not anxious, be not afraid, is how he is always with us, that he will protect us, that he will provide for us. So it's those things that we're, ca we're called to focus on in terms of our intention and our attention. And in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So I'm gonna invite you to stand as we close out with the song, All Things Are Possible.
butterfly if you didn't pick it up on your way in please do so on your way out it says as we let our own light shine we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we're freed from our own fear our presence automatically releases others so go and be the light for someone don't let fear keep you in your cocoon and may the grace and peace of our Lord be with you and carry you through this week. Amen. I'm heading to the ministry fair, so come and have snacks. I hear there's cake, too. <laughs>